Whether you're looking for a convenient refresher course, or a way to earn your Pragmatic certification at your own speed, or the chance to take a Pragmatic course from your specific corner of the world, then Foundations On Demand is the solution you need. Get the same great content, tools, and templates our Foundations course is famous for in a flexible and easy-to-use online learning platform. Learn the skills you need to build and market products people want to buy. And earn your Pragmatic Institute certification anywhere, anytime. No more travel worries, no more time zone issues, just truly great training. Experience the new way of training with Foundations On Demand from Pragmatic Institute. Visit pragmaticinstitute.com foundations to learn more. And welcome to the Pragmatic Product Chat Series, where we tackle the biggest challenges facing today's product management, product marketing, and other market and data-driven professionals with some of the best minds in the industry. I am Rebecca Calajaris, Vice President of Marketing and Product Strategy at Pragmatic Institute, and your host for this episode. And today, I am very excited to be joined by Anna Turner, VP of Products at Paycor, and she brings just a breadth of wealth of experience in a variety of different product roles, a variety of different leadership roles, and I think brings to the conversation and the table a lot of experience and thoughtful approaches to sort of the, the feeding and caring of really strong product teams. So welcome, Anna. Thanks, Rebecca. I'm thrilled to be here. Excellent. All right, Anna, first, for those listeners who may not be familiar with, give us a little bit of Anna and how you got where you are today and why you are so passionate about what you do. Awesome. So I am a longtime product person and a tech person. I have been in software companies my entire career, which is about the last two decades. So I got into product before people really knew what product was. So early 2000s. I have spent around 15 years in software, SaaS, product management. Earlier in my career, really being focused more on you know, roles like product strategy, product manager, more individual contributor roles or player coach. And then really kind of the second half of my product career focused on building and developing great product teams so that we can innovate for the market and the personas we serve. Perfect. All right, let's start with when you say uh, great product teams, what do you think are some hallmarks of just really strong teams? I think one of the most important thing, which... I was lucky early in my career that my leader sent me to Pragmatic way back when. I think one of the biggest hallmarks is being market-driven. So really not only focusing on you know what you're hearing inside the building, but actually spending time in market, understanding what's happening with you know your prospects, your customers, and then people who aren't either of those things for you yeah. yet. I think that's probably one of the biggest hallmarks, being market-driven. Probably the the second, I would say stewardship. So teams that are really thoughtful about value versus cost, right? They have a finite set of resources or a finite budget 
to spend. And a lot of times where we are now in technology, we can do just about anything. It's, is it the right thing to do? Because everything you say yes to, you have to say no to something else. And so I think teams that are able to be empowered and have the right tools, they have the right market knowledge that they can make those trade-off decisions and do the best thing with the, the dollars from an R&D standpoint that they have. So that way it really is, it's both understanding the market and the needs, but also understanding the company, right? And, and the organization and where we're going to get the most value. So that perfect balance, that sounds, that sounds very pragmatic of you in the, in the way that we think about it. So love that. Okay. So let's talk a little bit, let's kind of like start from the beginning and, and go through the process. So first of all, what do you look for in team members, right? Yeah. So if I'm looking for, you know, a product manager, product product owner type role, or even like a product portfolio leader, I am definitely looking for somebody who's market driven. So I'm typically going to be asking questions about, right, if, if this type of scenario happened, what would you do? And I'm typically going to be looking for things like, have they thought about what the competition is doing? Have they talked to clients? Have they spent time from a sales perspective? Do they know what's going on in this in this particular space? I'm typically, as kind of a first hallmark, looking for somebody who is going to, to look outside the building. I know that's a very pragmatic principle, right, with nothing interesting happens uh, inside the building. But that is... I think that's one of the ways that product people win. And I think that's also the way that good product people get everybody in alignment in the organization and really add value. You know, I think about when I was an early product manager at a training, it was a pragmatic training that I went to, that the instructor mentioned, right, if I'm not doing the product manager role, everybody else is going to fill the gap and try to do it. And they're not going to do a great job at it because they're actually in charge of sales or they're in, in charge of finance or some other part of the business that it's very easy as a product person to get distracted and, and help out with the other things. But unfortunately, you're the person that's supposed to be doing a lot of the strategy, understanding the market, driving the vision for where you're going. So that's one, one of the big things as well. Excellent. And then when, how as a leader, I think one of the things that is often true with, with product people and product leaders, we know how important it is to get to the market. But I think it's sometimes hard to defend the time and the resources to do it. So I imagine that's a big part of your role. So talk to me a little bit about how you do that. How do you ensure there is time and space and attention for your, for your team to be able to do that sort of being market driven? Yeah, I think a lot of times it really starts with the leader even making it a priority and asking the right question. So I, I was lucky early in my career that, you know, when I was making a recommendation or I was thinking we maybe needed to build XYZ new feature that my, my early leaders would always say things like, well, how many customers have you talked with about that, right? What data do you have that tells you that's the right thing? What competitors are doing something similar or is this a leapfrog opportunity? So I think it's on the product leader mm. squarely, right? We can send people to training, right? They can learn things and get tools. But if we're not reinforcing that and asking the right questions that reset the expectation on importance on past teams, right? Where, where we might be new in that cadence of mar market discovery, market importance. You know, I've even done things like set goals for how many visits people should have every quarter. Um, I think every team is a, a little bit different, but I think it starts with the leader showing it's a priority, and there's always budget. There's things that, that you may be restricted by, but I have found a lot of times there's lots of free things that you can do. Um, a lot of it is just time, right? Setting up the time, getting the appointments on your calendar, even if it's just Zoom calls. It's a start. 
So I, I would encourage leaders to, to worry less about the constraints from a budgetary standpoint, figure out how you can help your team. And sometimes there's also negotiation you can do with other teams, right? Maybe if you don't have budget, but a team needs you to come do something that also could fit with market time, market visits, maybe they pay for your travel and it is kind of two birds, one stone. That's a great idea. And I think the question thing is important because it does just continually remind the importance of it and the end and how we're going to leverage it. And I think it's a good reminder for both sides for, for, you know, you're asking the question, which means I have to give you space to do it, but it, it shows not only is it a task they need to, to get done, but it is, it shows where the value is going to be when they get it done. And I think it makes their job so much easier. That was my personal experience and in product roles, right? If I put the time in upfront, I had a much better job getting people on board with whatever I was proposing, getting people moving in the right direction. And actually, if I really knew the problems, um, helping the team drive innovation out of that. So I think if you you start in the right place, everything just gets easier downhill. When I, I think it's also there is both excitement that comes. Uh, I think every time, for me at least, every time you go out in the market, you think, oh my gosh, this is the best. I should do this every day, right? And then you get back in your yes. your, your spot. But but there's, there's super excitement. There's also confidence, right? There is a different level mm-hmm. of confidence that you can bring to the decisions, you can bring to your plan, and that comes because you 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 know, you've heard it from the market. And I think that that kind of seeps through to both the product people, but also the rest of the team and the rest of the company as they hear it. All right. So we know we're going to get people who are very market focused and are used to that idea. We're going to build an environment where they have the opportunity to do that. What else? What else do we do that you think is critical as a product leader to really help our team succeed? I think another is around building a kind of cadence or practice around data. So a lot of the the teams that I've led, we've we've done something, right? It could be everything from like a quarterly business review to, right, maybe insight sharing you're doing across the organization. But having some type of event or driver, right, that kind of reinforces the importance of each product person taking a look at their kind of product health is what I call it, right? So how are your how are your bookings? How how are your attach rates and penetration, right? Kind of doing a whole quick assessment and figuring out if there's any surprises. There typically are. It might be a certain product in your portfolio. It may be an opportunity internally to partner with, you know, product marketing, for example, around some enablement for a sales team. There's usually something interesting that comes out. And so a lot of times on the teams that I've led, I've put in some type of practice And even sometimes given a template, right, to help teams think through like, hey, here's your kind of slide one state of the business or state of your product. Slide two, you know, here's your SWAT. Slide three, here's what's happening with your competitors. And and just kind of creating an operations practice around that to help teams get in the habit of doing that every quarter. And then usually once they are looking at their data, they have all sorts of ideas of how they might solve or improve those and add value. So a couple of great things there. One I think is it's so simple and so easy, but I think we forget sometimes. So all of the interviews that we do, all of the people we talk to, we have a lot of type A product managers, right? Like we do. And so they bring a lot of skills. They bring a lot of experience, heavily educated, lots of business acumen. And so we're like, build a presentation and you know, they'll do it. But it's also like just sometimes providing the simple template, 
saying you know what I mean three slides and then and these are the things really helps people focus because one of the things about data both qualitative and quantitative is it's so easy to get it stretched out right and it's so easy yes. to do up here and when we can just provide that little bit of guidance that says now this is kind of the the sketch it's not limiting it's not unempowering. It's actually very helpful, I think, because they get some bumpers and some direction of where to focus. And I think that can be really great. And I think one of the things that we hear more and more too is is data. There's so many sources of data within the organization about customers and about products. And I think it is in the classic way, both a blessing and a curse, right? How do you how do you get all that data together and how do you work with all of the other owners of that data? And I know that's an area that you've had a lot of experience in that sort of product ops place. And so I'd love for you just to talk a little bit deeper on that and you think about data is how do you help your teams both kind of get that that mindset, but then actually get wrangle in the rest of the partners. Yeah. Yeah. And I think wrangling in the partners is a good point because typically the data, right, the data you might want to look at may not be, you have plenty of data and product, which may be usage and attach and some other things, but you may want to look at financials, which maybe you don't have access to yet. So I think that's a, a really good point you make. I think every organization is in a different place is what my experience has been of how much data they have, kind of where where they are on that maturity curve, right? Do you even have the right data? And some pieces you may, some pieces you may not. And then figuring out what data as a team you care about, right? So kind of outlining, hey, here are the eight, 10 things that we always want to make sure our product managers are taking a look at. And then I think kind of the other end of the maturity curve is really through often product operations, being able to serve that up to your product people and make it even easier for them to consume. So I think really mature organizations have have started to have a practice where they might have, you know, a, a dashboard that kind of has everything team by team where not only those those product managers can go serve, but then at larger organizations where you've got leaders of a big portfolio, product, le- product and engineering leaders, that they can start to see how things are shaping up across their entire portfolio as well. And again, there's always some surprise in the data that also allows the leaders to then Right, come alongside the team, take a look, ask some additional questions. And so I, th- I think, right, as the maturity grows around data, that's really what we'll see more of, that it's not just the product managers taking a look at it, but also those leaders hooking in, asking the right questions. But I would encourage people, right, f- figure out what you've got. I'm always pleasantly surprised everywhere that I've been a product leader about what data is available. A lot of times it's just hidden somewhere. Maybe a certain team has it, but it hasn't been shared widely. So I've often found you will be surprised how much you may be able to get as a really good baseline to get started on something like this, even if it requires, hey, you got to go to 10 reports right now, 10 different teams to get them. When I think too, once the, the other teams understand why it matters to you, Right. And that what you're looking at it from from your perspective, that it's not like some weapon that you're using to address them. But I think they're very open to share and often very excited. Right. These are metrics that matter Mm -hmm. a lot to them. It's nice for them to believe that they matter to someone else. And I I do totally agree. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm not the only one who tracks that. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then you get a cross functional kind of collaboration, which you know, a big part of product is kind of getting everybody, like all those sides of the square moving in the same direction. 
And I think those types of discussions when people understand, hey, this is the piece that's important to us. This is why we're asking for it. This is why we're consuming it. And this is what we did with it, right? Mm -hmm. We may have taken a look at some of the recent loss data and sharing that back whenever you have, right, a sales kickoff or something else. Hey, this is how we used that data to kind of reinforce the loop. People putting in the right information, people sharing the information, I think every department has a different kind of angle or way that they want to use it. But I've also seen that being a good strategy for kind of cross-functional teams, cross-functional collaboration. Nice. And I do think your point about as we get more mature, making it so that it's such a powerful switch in any part of the organization, with the total organization, or if you get here in sales or marketing, when you shift from, I have to spend all the time finding the data versus, oh, I get to spend my time consuming and analyzing the data, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a huge shift. I, I know it's something we're always working on here and that, you know, it's hard if you're doing monthly reports and you spent a day getting the numbers, you don't have the time to reflect it. What you want to be able to do is have that really served up. It's a powerful addition to a product team. And I, I don't even know that everyone recognizes the difference of how much more and how more regularly we can use that data in our decisions when we're not spending all our time chasing it down. <laughs> agree. Totally agree. All right. So I know, I know that one of the things you're very passionate about is being a leader, right? And being a good leader and trying to build good teams. And I think one of the things that's also fun when, when you're a leader is to help other leaders, right? People who are emerging Mm -hmm. leaders, finding people on your team who are ready to kind of go and be that first time manager. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your philosophy there and kind of help how you help nurture the next layer of leaders. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's the best part of being a leader, right? That's why we all do what we do. And it's really fun when you start to be able to not only be a leader of ICs, but be a leader of other leaders and help them and grow and develop in that. You know, I think one of the, one of the things, right, is staying close to your people, right? Understanding what their motivations are, what they want to do long-term, and giving them opportunities to try out pieces of that. So I had a a woman on my team several years ago that had interests, right, in in moving from more of like an analyst-type role into a product manager-type role, right? So that was kind of the first growth area, and then eventually from there into people leadership. And so as you understand people's desires and motivations, making sure as as the leader of that team that you're giving them opportunities, right? So somebody has expressed they maybe want to go into people leadership, right? What types of trainings does your organization already offer that you can get them tapped for? Where do you have an opportunity within the rest of your org to maybe set up mentoring, right? So with that particular woman, we set up some mentoring formally that she was the mentor to some more junior product people, right? So starting to give them those stepping stones, where they can be ready, and then also having that in your back of, back of your mind for org design, right? As your org is growing, your teams are changing, knowing who kind of those first-time people leaders are, making sure you put those steps in place to start getting them ready. And then, boy, that first-time leader movement is really hard for all of us that have done that. Like, it's just a really hard transition. You've been great as a product manager. You have done amazing things with the team that you work on and the product that you lead and the customers you serve. But now uh, you have a whole different set of responsibilities. And that is really, really hard. So I think it's up to your leader to come alongside you, 
help you through some of those first time things. So things like how to do one-on-ones, for example, or help your team draft objective key results or OKRs if you're doing those. How to start helping them do those manager things that nobody talks about. Hmm. Um, It's part of the reason that I came to Paycor. We are working and our mission is to empower leaders. And we're really talking about first-time managers, frontline leaders across the world of work. And so how do we put things in the product we build to help them do some of those things, to understand kind of the, the goals of their people, to listen to their people, to also do things like regular check-ins or one-on-ones. Some of the simple things, recognizing your people is another one. Some of those simple things that sometimes don't get taught about how to be a really good manager, really good leader. And that's part of why I came here, because we have an opportunity to build something really innovative and different for the market we serve. And oh, so much good stuff there. So like one, I love I love building the opportunity when you've recognized either potential skills or when they interest to both try and build those skills in sort of safe environments, right? things like the mentorship because also sometimes they try it and then they you know it's it's not for them it, right I mean like Absolutely. and that I, I think that's a safe that's also a thing that we have to recognize and appreciate that there are growth patterns and growth careers or paths for your career that don't bring you to people leadership right and that that yes. is a perfectly acceptable thing that can be hard for people where it feels like it, it needs to be and also you could take a good performer and if you don't let them try it in a safe space and you move them right into there you know, that failure at there is is costly in all kinds of ways that are hard to recover from. So I love that idea. And then I think it is the little things. I think sometimes like one-on-ones is a great example where I am a passionate believer in one-on-ones. And sometimes you're like, well, I mean, maybe I'll meet with them like once a month. And it's just like, I know you think no. that you are adding <laughs> on this layer, right? And you're thinking, oh, they don't, but man, the different opportunities, the different connection points in there, some of the, you know, everyone's always running really fast. And one of the, I often remind my teams a couple of things, make sure your people are putting in time off, right? Like, you Mm -hmm. know, there's, there's balances there and make sure that you build in some time for fun. We're all virtual on our side. And so that can be building those things. And like, what a, what a great gig. I get to remind people to have fun, but like it is important. And, and they're like, no, no, you need to make time for this because as we've seen in our own careers, it makes it an enormous difference. And you're right. It's like not in a book. And if I read it in a book, I think I might be like, well, that seems really sick. But <laughs> Exactly. Right. And I do think when you see it work, right? When you see mm-hmm. someone whose career it is, to me, I'm with you. It is the most rewarding part of my career is kind of seeing that next leader. And and it's such a different kind of management that you do with them as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's coaching, it's mentoring, it's, it's delightful. It definitely is. I, I totally agree. And I think you made a, a really wonderful point too about, right, not everybody, not the path for everybody is not people leadership. Some people don't want it. Some people try it and don't like it, right? There's there needs to be also a path for people to continue to grow in an individual contributor type role, even very senior. So a lot of places that I have worked, we've put together kind of a principal or a director level type IC mm-hmm. role, right? Highly influential, very senior in the organization, but perhaps they don't want to manage people or that kind of hasn't been their thing. It gives people an opportunity. I've seen that both on the design and the product side. Yeah. 
And I think it's important. I think it's it's important to give people those growth paths and that also reflect their desires and sometimes their skill sets. Mm-hmm. All right. What else? What else would you say? You've got new leaders standing in front of you. What advice would you give them? I would, and I do this with my people, and so I, I would encourage anybody li- listening, right? If you're you're a new leader, use your one-on-ones for, for help. I mean, the way I've kind of structured them with my team is like, sure, I want some key updates, but what, where do you need help? Where are you blocked? What strategic context might you need, right? The more senior you get in the organization, a lot of times it, it becomes more around navigation, right? How to get things done, key relationships, some things that are a little bit more intangible. So I would encourage everybody on here to, to think about using your one-on-one in that way. It's really for you. So how can you leverage that time that your leader has, has set up to get what you need from a, a growth standpoint? So I would really encourage that. And I also, something that a leader did with me that I've recreated on my team is I typically take time aside quarterly. We kind of do a one-on-one takeover where we get out of the day-to-day, the projects in flight, and we talk about them. So kind of who, who have you worked with recently? Who do you want to work with more or, le- more or less? What kind of projects, right, are you interested in taking on? And then also revisiting what we've talked about from a career growth and development standpoint, right? Kind of what are your near-term goals? And they can be anything. It might be to grow in the company. It might be something totally different. I think everybody's got a different take on what they want to do, what they want to achieve. And so spending time at least once a quarter with your people, understanding what that is for them, and then figuring out as the leader, how can you come alongside and support whatever that is, right? Are there projects in flight? Are there people? Are there connections from a market standpoint you can make for them? And I think the way the leader can come alongside and help is going to be different with every single person on their team. I was just thinking that as you said that I think one of the things people forget as well, or maybe don't forget, maybe they don't realize when they're the first time manager is you manage every person differently mm-hmm. and you have to. And another big lesson for first time, I obviously I had to learn this lesson. Not everybody likes to be managed like you like to be managed. Uh, I am a very, (laughs) this was like a big, I mean, this was a big learning for me early in my career. I am like a, tell me where you want to go. And then I will give you the plan. And I'm, I got, I've got this right. And that to me was just like, that's obviously, obviously that's how everybody wants to be managed. Um, nope. (laughs) Right. That really isn't. And, and so, which meant that what felt like the ideal manager to me wasn't always the ideal manager I should be to someone, right? Mm -hmm. Like what I need from my manager is not the same. And it is, it is very individualized mm-hmm. how you how you manage different people. And I, I think that is often a surprise for new managers, but also I think yes. part of what makes it fun. Well, it is too. I think as the product leader, right, you also typically have a team that has very different strengths, right? Mm-hmm. So how do you align people to partner up and play together to to kind of have that one plus one equals three scenario? So I, th- I think it's not just in how you manage them, to your point, to add on to what you said, it's also, right, how do you get the most out of your team, mm-hmm. um, right? How do you deliver the most value for the organization? And a, a lot of times, right, each per- person's journey is different, each person's strengths is different, and what each person wants is different too. Yeah. Um, so it can't be one size fits all, like you mentioned. No, and I think maybe particularly acutely with product managers, like it's a great point you make product managers with the same title 
often have really, really different strengths and interests, right? So we talk about the 37 boxes, right? Like there's a ton of activities. And I think it's one of the opportunities and challenges of an organizational design with product teams is Mm -hmm. it's hard always to think just hat and not head. And so trying to find the balance of that is, again, a a fun challenge, I think, for, for product leaders, maybe more so than some other roles. All right, Anna, we've talked about lots of different things, lots of really great things. If you were going to have listeners do two things differently tomorrow based on what we talked about today, what would that be? I think a reminder, and if, if you're listening to this podcast, you, you likely already know this, think about right how you can get in the market, and that can show up in a whole bunch of different ways, right? Getting on some customer calls, going to an advisory board, joining a sales call, going to a conference for the persona you serve. I found there's a lot of great free conferences, especially in this world of work post-COVID, that are virtual. So there's a lot that you that you can do. And I would just encourage and remind you that that's often where you're going to find your best ideas for innovation in understanding what problems you're hearing kind of thematically across the market. And, and candidly, I think it's the most fun part of product. That's why a lot of us started this job every time I go out, I get totally, you know, energized. Mm-hmm. I got to spend four hours yesterday with our client advisory board and I'm just like on fire this morning. Yep. Every time I do that, I get re-energized. And I also, if, if you're a people leader, especially a new people leader in product and you've got people on your team that maybe are feeling the whirlwind, they're feeling lots of tactical inside the building, help encourage them to get back up I, I and get outside the building. I think that is one of the best ways that teams, specifically product people, can get re-energized and refocused on what matters and what's important. And it's really easy to kind of get stuck in the whirlwind. Hmm. Absolutely. All right. So where, if people want to know more or learn more from you, right, if they want to see more on leadership or they want to learn more about Paycores, sort of how they're helping, where would you send people? Where can they find you? What are some good resources? So you can find me on LinkedIn, Anna Turner. I would love to connect with you, talk product. And then for Paycor, paycor.com. Oh, always convenient. All right. Thank you, Anna. This was fantastic. I really enjoyed the conversation and all of the sort of insights and experience and thoughtfulness that you brought to the conversation. Thanks, Rebecca. It was a pleasure. And I really appreciate all Pragmatic does. It gave me the right foundation very early in my career to be successful. So thank you guys for that. Oh, well, thank you. All right, that does it for today's episode. Thank you everyone for listening. And don't forget to join us next week when we tackle another great topic designed to help you elevate your product, your company, and your career.